you set foot on foreign soil. Only this land isn't ruled by any country or government. In this land we celebrate music. In this land we celebrate games. In this land we celebrate those who compose video game music. Welcome to the VG Embassy. Embassy. Alright everyone, welcome and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the VG Embassy. This is a brand new show centered around video game music and the amazing online community of fans and podcasters that enjoy it. Each episode, I, Ed, as your prime VG minister, will invite a guest VG ambassador onto the show to share with us their own video game music culture, or I'll share a part of my own culture on a solo show. Today's VG Ambassador is a guy that I've been trying to get on podcasts for a long, long time. Uh, we've been talking for ages, and the stars finally aligned, so we were able to find some time to actually sit down and talk. We're going to talk about shoot 'em ups and shoot 'em up music today. So, my guest is Trevin Hughes, otherwise known as Chip Tuner. Dread, and if his name sounds familiar, that's because I talked about him a little bit on episode one. Uh, he's the guy who wrote the amazing theme song that brings our show in. And Trevin, I just want to publicly thank you so much for writing that song. I, I contacted you early in the morning one day. I was like, uh, do you think you can do a theme song for my show? And I think by like 10 o'clock in the morning, you already had like a full fleshed out song that just needed a few tweaks. It was absolutely amazing and the song still blows me away every time I hear it. So so thank you and welcome to the VG Embassy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had a, I had a blast doing that. So uh, no problem, dude. Like you said, we've been wanting to talk for a long time and now we finally get a chance to do it. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited, man. Awesome. So... Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, because I know you from, like, the Relay Brothers and uh, Chiptunes Equals Win. You've had some music on. Also, just on, on Facebook, you know, we've we've chatted there and you've posted a lot of your music there. How did you get into composing music? And, you know, what have you been up to lately? Oh, boy. Well, I'll try to make this as short as possible, because <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, something that goes back as far as I can remember, basically. My mom said that like when I was really young that she had a, a keyboard and I would crawl up to it and listen to what noises it made. And then we got Mario Paint and that's like my first thing outside of keyboards. Ah. And so yeah, and then after that I've got a Desimon for the Sega Saturn which is pretty rare for a kid in America but my brother was into import games and stuff. and. Since we both had Mario Paint, like Desimon is kind of the upgrade to something like that. Yeah, kind of like a like a shoot 'em up maker. Yeah, so you have like my brother was really good at making sprites, and I was good at making music, and we would like try to do stuff. So I have a couple of Desimon tunes like floating around the internet, 
and uh, that was when I, back when I was like a teenager, like 13, 14, something like that. So that's where all that started basically. And then from there, I was trying to get stuff on um, Overclocked Remix. I have a couple of remixes on there from like, I'd say 2006, 2008. One is uh, Mushroom Madness, which is a new Super Mario Brothers remix, which has kind of got a hip hop sound to it. And one is uh, Revolution X, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> the Aerosmith game? Yes, yes. That's awesome. It's, so it's one of those things where I did, like, you know, the most popular and the most obscure thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, I think I'm done with uh, Overclocked Remix. And then in 2009, I uh, got on a, a site called 8-Bit Collective, which is now defunct, sadly. But that's where I started posting chiptunes. And I had uh, TFM Maker, which is like the precursor to the... Sega Genesis tracker I usually use now, which is um, VGM Music Maker, and mm-hmm. now I've been using um, Deflamask as well because it's got you know Genesis and a whole other like slew of chips to mess with. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think you and uh, Aaron Hickman, otherwise known as as Dia, are the really the only two that I know of that have really been kind of delving into like PC Engine Turbo Graphics 16 amateur composition, which is very cool because that's one of my favorite sound chips, and you don't usually hear any demo scene music from those chips and I'm, I'm glad that Deflo Mask has been able to enable people like you to kind of explore these different chips and see what kinds of sounds you can get out of them. Oh totally yeah PC Engine uh, TurboGrafx-16 is like one of my favorites too I have actually a lot of uh, nostalgia for that sound because you know I didn't have it but uh, my brother's best friend had it okay. so I went over and tried some games over at his house and so some of the uh, tracks coming up here will be TurboGrafx-16, so that'll be fun. Yeah, some good stuff on this list today. So, a little bit about the theme of the show. I think originally we were kind of talking about what to explore on this particular show. And and as I've said on, on episode one, every episode of the VG Embassy is going to be a little bit different. I think you guys will be in for a surprise every time a new episode releases. I'll have different guests, and not only will the guests be different, but the format of the show will be different. So, you know, last episode, uh, Emily and I went on a deep dive, literally, uh, doing Echo the Dolphin, and we really explored that full series and kind of the beginning to end of Echo's story. So now we're going to do a whole bunch of different games, and we're going to talk about some really good music from uh, specifically shoot 'em ups. Now, originally, Trevin, you and I were talking about specifically uh, FM synthesis and shmups mm-hmm. uh, because I know you know I'm I'm a huge fan of, of FM synth Genesis music and a lot of the arcade stuff, and I know you are too. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know we decided to broaden our horizons, so you picked like the first half of the show is going to be stuff that you are very nostalgic for. So this is a lot of stuff like Desimon, etc., that you kind of grew up with. So we're going to hear some non-FM, and then we're going to... I think we got a couple of FM tracks as the as the show goes on. So there's a really good variety of music in here. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So do you want to uh, get into the first track? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. The uh, first track here is going to be... Uh from Desimon for the Saturn, uh, Desimon 2 rather. It is BGM 40, and the composers are a lot of them. I'll probably butcher the names. Koichi Ishibashi, Akiyoshi Saito, Kazuo Oikawa, Hitoshi uh, Nishimura. Awesome. All right, so this is, so BGM 40, uh, so the game basically has a whole bunch of, like you said, uh, like it has like a Mario Paint style music creation tool in it that you can use alongside. So you can make basically make your own music for the shoot-em-ups that you create in the game. Yeah. So it, it came with a whole bunch of pre-packaged music 
in the memory on the game already. So this this is like the 40th track or whatever in that in that list of BGM. And what's cool is this track is actually kind of a remix of a of a, like a famous Bach tune. Oh, cool! So it's like similar to like Gyrus, where they have you know like classical music kind of like you know beefed up with like a certain sound chip. So that'd be another one that would be like kind of close to something like this. Awesome! All right, so let's give a listen to BGM 40 from Desemon 2 for the Saturn. Welcome back. That was BGM40 from Dezemon 2, released on the Sega Saturn in 1994, and that was composed by Koichi Ishibachi, Akiyoshi Saito, Kazuo Oikawa, and Hitoshi Nishimura. And so that was actually kind of a cover version of Bach's Little Fugue in G minor, kind of, uh, I guess, rocked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that track. <laughs> Uh, it's like one of those things where, like, I was going through the different, uh, you know, example songs in Desemon, and that one just really kind of stood out to me, even though it was like a cover or a remix or whatever. It's just, it sounds so cool. So I wanted to start off with that because it, it was the thing that really kind of skyrocketed me as far as, uh, you know, music composition and stuff and really getting me into it, like, more... A little bit more seriously, so... Yeah, I like the way that, uh, if, if you watch it on, like, YouTube, you can you can see the song roll go and you can see all the notes just it looks very very similar to the way they did it with mario paint you know you 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 just drag and drop little pictures on a staff yeah and you know depending on where on the staff it is that's you know what tone you're gonna get and uh so you can kind of see the whole the whole music sequence play out and uh it sounds a lot better than the super nintendo does because it's got you know higher sample rate and more sample memory Mm -hmm. and those rock drums sound really really good for something that's just kind of like you know, sequenced in a very user-friendly kind of atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it's got a cool sound. And uh, another cool thing about um, specifically the Saturn version of Desemon, rather than the other ones, the other ones, uh, you use these little wavy lines to make, uh, you know, you're, you're, you lengthen the notes that way. But in the Saturn version, and the only one that does this, where you can kind of put the wavy lines, it doesn't have to be and the same line as the note so you can like pitch bend down and up with that and the other oh, cool. the other versions won't do that the one on the the regular nintendo and super nintendo doesn't have it and even the one on the n64 does on 3d doesn't have it even though it has more tracks so personally the saturn one has always been my favorite so just a little bit of little bit of info there <laughs> i think the uh, you know the saturn actually had an fm chip in it so maybe that had a little bit of something to do with you know allowing those pitch bends whereas like you know super nintendo and n64 are pretty much just uh sample based so yeah i've have had you know that ability to really uh do that on like a user level yeah do that real real 
really easily. That's a good point. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the guitar samples are pretty good too. Probably not the best in the world, but I could I could see this being played in something like a, like a Thunder Force game or like a Lords of Thunder. I know we've got like a Lords of Thunder track coming up soon, but uh, you know that kind of just synth rock. You know, this might play where like a a boss is like lowering down from the clouds yeah. to like, meet your tiny little ship. It's got a very foreboding kind of a feel to it. Yeah, this reminds me of like uh, if you took like Castlevania and then like put it through like a Mega Man X filter. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of that's kind of the, the vibe I'm getting. So you're getting like uh, kind of a Gothic Capcom rock kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, you're getting like <laughs> Storm Eagle Belmont or something. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a good mashup. I'm sure somebody's done it somewhere, but yeah, if they haven't, then they've got the idea now. So There you go. That would be cool. All right, ready to move on to our next track? Sure. All right, what you got lined up for us? Let's see. The next track we've got here is uh, from Erzonk for the TurboGrafx-16, and it's Stage 2, Brainstown. This was composed by Daisuke Morishima and Hisashi Matsushita. Let's take a listen. All right. Right, that was Stage 2 Brainstown from Airzonk, released on the TurboGrafx-16 in 1992, composed by Daisuke Morishima and Hisashi Matsushita. Ah, oh, man, this song is just so good. <laughs> Thank you for playing this one. Oh, oh, man, I love it because, uh, yeah, I didn't have a TurboGrafx-16 in my house, but my brother's best friend did 
thankfully, so I was exposed to a lot of these awesome tracks early. So, uh, when everybody says stuff like, Oh, Ice Cap Zone from Sonic 3 is my favorite track, I'm usually like, That's great, but listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much better stuff out there. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you can make an analogy to somebody who like only listens to like top 40 music. Uh-huh. And that, you know, something like Bruno Mars comes on, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I really like this song. And you're like, Well... Do you know he borrowed from like all of these influences from like the 70s and the 60s? And oh, then you play man. them that stuff and they're like, this is amazing. They're so, like, whoa, yeah, exactly. Yeah, v- VGM is like that too. You know, there's always other stuff out there that's, you know, more uh, intense than, than what you're listening to currently. So, And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that like know of stuff that I don't know of. And that's what makes it so cool. You know, I've listened to some of your uh, Pixel Tunes radio you know your your shows and i've i've listened to impulse project as well gotta say i love both of those so no thank you yeah yeah so that's really helped expanding my horizons too and helped me become a better chip musician so full circle yeah and that that's why i love doing vgm and and music podcasts because i love digging deep for the really obscure stuff oh introducing people to things that they might not have known about that they will end up loving so uh so yeah, this this track, I don't know, the sound of this track reminds me a lot of like Yuzo Koshiro and I, I uh, could like see Falcom that. JDK, uh-huh. uh, The Scheme, and a lot of the other uh, tracks that uh, that Falcom you know put out alongside like the Yee series. It's got that kind of uh, hero sets off onto. Uh, the battlefield, you know, yeah. just after leaving his hometown, kind of a feel very heroic, very looking forward to the future with optimism, kind of a feel. I was thinking of a bit like a bit of a misty blue sound if it was through a different chip. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and the scheme is very much like that too. It's even got those hand claps. Some of the songs from the scheme have that like clap 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 clap. You know that that same kind of cadence to it. So I think yeah, when Daisuke Morishima and Hisashi Matsushita kind of worked on this soundtrack, I think they were probably listening to that stuff a lot and wanted to kind of bring that sound onto the PC Engine and TurboGrafx-16, and they did it with great results, you know. I wouldn't doubt it, because, you know, the more you listen to uh, VGM music, you notice that, you know, a lot of things sound like other things, and you're like, well, I'm sure they were contemporaries, you know, like learning from each other. Exactly. And that's kind of the experience I've had being a chip musician myself, where, you know, I'll meet these people and we'll influence each other and stuff like that, so that you know that just doesn't surprise me in the least which which brings me to a question actually so how did you get into chiptune compo- like did you ever take professional music lessons or did you kind of just kind of teach yourself to do all this stuff no i'm i'm self-taught i haven't even had like piano lessons or anything like that wow yeah it's just one of those things that uh well my uncle was pretty musical he played by ear like i did and um i used to practice with him and his his garage band and uh one of the things that he told me that I'll, I'll never forget is uh, it's a very simple thing, but up until about, like, I'd say, like, the age of 10, I was always trying to copy other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was jamming with him one time, and he said, don't play what I play, play what you want to play. And from then on, I was like, oh, okay, this is jamming. And then <laughs> <laughs> it, was such a, it was such a simple thing, but, like, from then on, now I just, like, love putting awesome solos in my music and and like just really experimenting around so bringing your own flavor to it is is what it's all about basically yeah i think because everybody starts with like covers and things and stuff like that trying to get their feet wet and composition and whatever so speaking of which uh going back to the theme song you wrote for the show you know i know that you've listened to 
me talk about some of my favorite composers on on Pixel Tunes, etc. Mm-hmm. And you know, I really like Yuzo Koshiro. I really like Tim Fallon. Same here. And so, like, you you, you kind of threw in little nods to both of those guys in that theme song. <laughs> I did. You caught that. Right, right when the song kind of comes back from that little pause, and then there's this this nice little dancey part, and uh, and I just thought that was such a cool little thing, and, and, and the fact that you were able to reproduce those sounds so accurately, and just kind of jump from one to the other, was just amazing to me. I was like, okay, cool, I guess I asked the right <laughs> guy to do my theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yeah. I was one of those guys that, like, you know, even though I like video games, it was one of those things where, like, if there was ever a sound test, I was right in there. I'd, I'd uh, listen to it for quite a while sometimes, and, you know, the voice samples and stuff like that. I was fascinated by stuff like that, even at, like, four or five years old, so. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to have a, a TV with audio out that hooked up to a stereo. Oh, man. And the stereo had a cassette recorder on it and it even had a little input fader it was, it was a pretty nice stereo nice so what i would do is i would make my own you know if there was a sound test or if i could pause the game and listen to the music i would make my own cassette albums of video game music oh man and i would use that input slider to you know do my own fade outs so the songs just didn't end abruptly i'd actually have fade outs and fade ins and they were really professional sounding you know VGM oh that's cassettes. that's beautiful and I'm, dude. I'm so upset that i got rid of all of them when i was like you know in my teens but uh but those those i, I wore those cassettes out i mean vgm was all i listened to back in the day i do remember my brother uh recording some music from pluck for the super nintendo which mm-hmm, is full of course. of course and he had it on a cassette tape and we wore that out so i think we're very similar there my brother's best friend at the time had, you know, Lords of Thunder, and we recorded that onto a cassette tape. Yeah, yeah, those CD games were very easy to take those soundtracks off of, which was cool. Yeah, totally, yeah. All right, so are you ready to go into the next track? Sure. All right, what you got lined up for us now? Let's see. We have Blazing Lasers for the TurboGrafx-16 from 1989. Yeah, this is another PC Engine track, so... Here we go again. All right. Well, this is Area 9, composed by Masatomo Miyamoto. Let's hit it. All right. Alright, that was Area 9 from Blazing Lasers, which came out on the TurboGrafx-16 in 1989, composed by Masatomo Miyamoto. This one just, I think it it's the audio equivalent of, like, 
high blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like you're you're not gonna survive this. You're gonna die. You might as well throw up your hands. But it's it's a fun ride, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it starts off with these like pounding drum samples. And then just goes into these like scales and, and crazy arpeggios going up and down. And you get these like discordant notes mixed with these like Castlevania kind of organ runs. Oh. And it's just, it's got so much packed into so little time. It's crazy. Yeah, I was thinking, well, you know, we did the, the Brains Town and that's a nice uh, mellow tune to listen. Well, not mellow, but uh, upbeat, but comparatively, this is much faster and much more aggressive. So I thought, well... Let's do something that kind of shows like two sides of the same coin here. What this, what the Turbo Graphics can do, and uh, man, like like we were saying before, um, these are tracks that I did grow up with. So when we finally got to that level, I think my brain exploded. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blazing Lasers is a tough game. It it is. It's it's not super unfair though. What I like about it is that if you get a good enough weapon and you get uh, you know you get hit once, it just knocks you down a peg as far as your weapon. So it's not necessarily one hit kill like a lot of shoot 'em ups are. So yeah, yeah, I do like that about it. It is tough, but it doesn't feel like super super unfair. Yeah, and but but towards the end of the game, if you get your your weapons knocked away from you, it's it's kind of hard to get them back. So you get you're kind of screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But for 1989, I mean, this was music that you know. The NES was still pretty simple as far as music went in, in 1989. Mm-hmm. So this one kind of stands head and shoulders above what the NES was doing at the time. And then, uh, you know, FM music, you probably didn't even have the real advanced chips out at that point yet. So this 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 must have blown a lot of gamers' heads away when they started, you know, listening to this stuff. Uh, Genesis was just just coming out then. And I don't think maybe a year after that with like Musha in 1990. Mm -hmm. That's another soundtrack that like I considered putting on here. But uh, I mean, there's just so much stuff to pick from. So we'll just have to have you back for another show to do more stuff. Hey man, I'm I'm ready anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I dig this track. I think it's a great juxtaposition to Brainstown, especially both being on the same sound chip you kind of get to hear a little bit of what that sound chip is capable of in in two different modes you get this kind of slick you know brainstown track where it feels there's 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 some action to it but it feels like you know if it were embodying a hero that hero would be in control of things and very sure of himself yeah and then rubble basically rubble is a good description for it it's like everything is falling apart like oh my god what is going on there's bullets <laughs> everywhere there's enemies everywhere you know I'm, I'm gonna just fall apart and and not have any control over anything and that song really kind of embodies that yeah so that's, if, that's very if cool. you do survive you'll never be the same <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> your brain will be rubble yeah yeah rubble brain yeah rubble brains town <laughs> Rubble Brainstown, perfect. There you go. We'll just have to, like, you know, put these all in order as we go and try to make up some sort of weird story. <laughs> sounds uh, good, sounds good. All right, so, uh, but the next song has a nonsense name, so we can pretty much make it mean whatever we want. This is called Sealam, and this one is from Lords of Thunder. This was a Graphics CD game that came out in 1992, and it was composed by Satoshi Miyashita, for Tease Music. This is a super hard rocking track. So let's take a listen to it. We'll be right back. All right.
That was Lords of Thunder for the TurboGrafx-16. Came out in 1992 and the track was Sealam, composed by Satoshi Miyashita for Tease Music. And what a rockin' track that was. Oh, man. Seriously, dude. Yeah, I think I'm starting to see a pattern in my choice here. Um, <laughs> just more and more gothic rock tracks. I didn't even know that was a style until I just keep queuing them up. Yeah, the next one will uh, change it up a little bit, so it won't be just one thing pounding in your eardrums. Yeah, it's 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 funny because you know you you have a lot of solos in your songs, and I was like, well, you know, when I when you when you pick these tracks for the show, and I started gathering up the music for it, I was like, yeah, I can definitely see the influence here. I can definitely see the influence on that one. Uh, this one kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop because you know I've only heard really chiptune stuff from you, so mm-hmm. to hear an actual you know live band or, uh, you know, real rock band song was interesting because I didn't even realize that, you know, you would you would listen to this when you were a kid. But, you know, hearing all these, like, there's like five or six different guitar solos in this <laughs> indeed, track. So indeed, yeah. I can, I can definitely see where those solos would have, you know, tricked your little kid mind into thinking, oh my God, I need to do this on a keyboard when I when I finally start composing music. It, indeed, yeah. This And that influence has not gone away. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the slightest. I just like uh, it needs more solos. I don't know why. I'm, I'm like compulsive. <laughs> That's awesome. So you you were also familiar. We were talking a little bit before. You're also familiar with the Sega CD version of this game, and that has like kind of a slightly remastered, redone soundtrack. So why why did you choose this one over the Sega CD version? While the Sega CD version has uh, technically better production quality, I just like the really raw sound of the TurboGrafx version because it's got a really gritty kind of edge to it. And I think there are certain tracks in the Sega CD version that sound a little bit better and certain tracks that sound a little bit better in the TurboGrafx version. So just for this particular track, I wanted to pick this version because it was it was my favorite of the two, but it's like you can't go wrong with either one. No, absolutely not. I mean, people all over the web call this their favorite soundtrack of all time. You know, it's made like you know top lists all all over the internet of of uh, you know best soundtracks to come out of you know the '90s, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I would tend to agree. <laughs> yeah, you definitely had some good taste when you when you picked this one. You know, and the game itself is is decent. It's it's a pretty simple kind of like gothic yet sci-fi uh shoot 'em up horizontally scrolling shoot 'em up but the, it's like the music is so epic that there's almost like a disconnect between the graphics and and the music that's playing in the background while you're playing this game it's crazy <laughs> i know but it's it's so great you look at the cd cover and it looks straight out of like an 80s hair uh, oh, yeah. metal band so it's like yep i think almost the focus of this game was the music the graphics are great too, but I mean, the music just tops everything. It's ridiculous. They're like, let's put an awesome soundtrack out. Oh, let's make a video game alongside it too. Okay. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> well, Tease Music has been known for creating some epic soundtracks for other games. So, uh, you know, when, when they hired those guys on, because Tease Music is just basically like a music and sound effects outfit. Mm. Um, they don't actually make the games themselves. They just do soundtracks. Mm. So when you're going to hire Tease Music on for your game, you're going to end up with a really good soundtrack. And so games like this, uh, Silphied on the Sega CD, Tease Music was responsible for that. So there's a, there's a bunch of games out there with some really hard rocking tunes that, that were done by Tease Music. So this is no... This, this wasn't like a one-off gig for them. So. No, no. If you listen to uh, Gate of Thunder or Sapphire, yep. you know, they're, they're, 
there will all shred your eardrums and melt your brain, so it's all good. Exactly. So, uh, ready to move on to the next one? Absolutely. This one's a kind of a change of pace. What you got lined up next? Let's see. We have um, Star Soldier Vanishing Earth for the N64. Came out in 1998, and this is Mission 1 rumbling and it's composed by Ichiro Shimakura. Very cool, let's take a listen. We are back. That was Mission 1, Rumbling, from Star Soldier Vanishing Earth, released on the N64 in 1998. That was composed by Ichiro Shimakura. A little bit of a change of pace for this one, Mr. Dredd. Why'd you, why'd you pick this one for the list? Well, I know I have a tendency to just go overboard with all the uh, the metal stuff, so I was like, you know, I have many different musical influences here, and the reason I picked this one is that it's still got a nice energy, but it's got more of a jazz influence, kind of a fusion sound, and it's got a little bit of uh, maybe some house drums in there, mm-hmm. some kind of some kind of glitch beats and stuff like that. And I tend to do a lot of that in um, some of my own ship music too, so I figured I better have make sure that that's represented as well. Yeah, I love I love those house drums. Uh, a lot of the like Ridge Racer Four and stuff would would use those to great effect. Yeah. Um, and that call and response with that like kind of strummy jazz guitar and then that really low kind of like midi overdriven guitar kind of like calling and responding back to each other. I really I, I thought that was really cool. I mean, this this just feels like a jam band. It does. Like a robot jam band kind of hanging out and playing while, you know, ships go and blast each other to, to smithereens on the screen. It does. And I love the uh, the jazz chords of the electric piano, too, that they that they chose there. I'm like, as soon as I heard that, I went, ooh, I got to pick that one. Okay. Let's put that in here. Yeah, very cool. And it's cool because the N64 is kind of a weird machine. You know, it it uses samples kind of similar to the Amiga or the SNES or the the Game Boy Advance, but it doesn't like it doesn't have its own dedicated sound chip. Yeah. So the more complicated your N64 music is, the less processing power you have 
for the game itself. So when a composer has to work with the N64, they have to make it sound as good as they can, but as simple as they can at the same time. So I think Shimakura did a really good job at picking very cool sounding samples, but making kind of a, a simple song and in, in, from the composition aspect. But, mm-hmm. you know, the samples that he picked made the song sound really cool. I think he did a really good job with that. Yeah, there's a nice balance there. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever run into a, like an instance where you had to compose a song or did you ever make limits for yourself where like you had to use only like, you know, three or four channels but still make something sound cool? Um, well, yeah, the one of the one of the biggest limitations I've ever worked with is uh one bit music on the ZX Spectrum. That's that's its own limitations. You don't have to impose anything. Yeah. Just to make something on that sound cool is, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's both simple and difficult at the same time, because you can make a a simple sounding song with a tracker called Beeple, uh, and uh, the engine I like to use is called the Phaser 1 engine. Usually for like beeper tracks, it's just like, uh, you know, one channel, but this one like splits it into two and it has these tiny drum samples too. And so it, it... it allows you to do a little bit more, but there's still quite a bit of uh, limitation there. So I've definitely experienced that. But if you uh, get your notes going fast enough, you can you can put in some manual arpeggios and things like that. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, beeper music is is crazy. You're basically you know you get one one track, and the, the way it works is it kind of interstitches different tones to make it sound like you're listening to two different notes at the same time, but they're kind of like interlaced with each other it's, it's such a cool technique yeah there's a lot of like phasing sounds in there and it's like yeah you know it's there's no volume control really so it's just like on or off <laughs> right exactly so you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants basically yeah yeah that's that's a lot more limited than the n64 sound engine oh oh for sure for sure I'm sure. <laughs> it's probably about as limited as you can get. It's, so. it's pretty close, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, what do you say we move on to the next one? Let's do that, yeah. So the next one is uh, Axley for the SNES, and I'm sure a lot of people know this track. And the track name is Unkai, and the composers are Taro Kudo and Masanori Adachi. Awesome. Let's take a listen.
All right, that was Unkai. 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 From Axley, which <laughs> came out in 1992 on the Super Nintendo, composed by Taro Kudo and Masanori Adachi. I'm a big fan of Axley myself, so I'm glad that you picked this one, especially this kind of iconic introductory track. I always thought that it felt a lot like a combination between like Hyperzone and F-Zero and it's like a couple of other SNES games and it, it kind of like shares that same kind of instrument set with but none of the composers that worked on this game worked on any of those games so I don't know where that influence came from it's very very cool but what did you like most about this track why'd you pick it for the show uh what i really love about this track is that it's not necessarily like super rocky or super jazzy but it's just got such a uh it's got such an adventurous tone to it it's such an up- uplifting track and has it's just so well composed uh it's just one of those tracks that like okay pick some shoot 'em up music and i'm like well i have to do this one <laughs> I, I couldn't not but when you said Hyperzone and I'm like wow I almost picked that how did he know <laughs> that's a great soundtrack too yeah yeah one of my favorites but what I like about this track in particular is there's so many like build-ups and suspense moments where it starts you know very very kind of quiet and then the drums kick in and then boom you get this, this like nice heroic horn section mm-hmm. and you're like you know you feel like you're just flying into space and nothing can go wrong and then it kind of loops back into like this kind of creeping evil part a little bit uh and then goes back into that you know if you keep listening to it over and over you get this kind of cycle between you're in danger but then you're safe but then you're in danger again and and it just as far as like a shoot 'em up goes that kind of really feels like what this game feels like because there's some really really tough areas and some areas where you're like hey i'm just breezing through this so no big deal yeah i think the uh, composers nailed it when they made this track because it, it's just like you know, even if somebody had never heard that before, which is almost hard for me to imagine, but I'm sure there are people out there that don't consume video game music like we do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you give this to your average person and they're like, what do you think this is? Oh, very uh, adventurous, heroic, sounds kind of spacey. And it's like, yep. Exactly. And both of these guys are also responsible for the Super Castlevania 4 soundtrack, which is another one of my favorite oh, man. of all time SNES soundtracks. And I mentioned that because this soundtrack doesn't sound anything like Super Castlevania 4. Yeah. So it just it kind of speaks to the versatility of these composers that they can create, you know, they can be told, oh, you're going to make a shoot 'em up next. And like, okay, they'll, they'll just rock out with an awesome shoot 'em up soundtrack when they've just come from this very ambient and ethereal and very moody kind of classic Castlevania 4 soundtrack with all these different like jazz fusion influences and all of a sudden you're here with these like kind of rocking tones that uh that you know feel very shoot 'em up like so it's just some great versatility on their part yeah and that's a that's a good point and that's something that I I look to uh for inspiration when I find some composers you know I I feel like the ones that are versatile and can do a lot of things usually make some of my favorite music because that means that they're an all-rounder and that means that they're going to pull from different influences where you may not expect it. And so it kind of gives you that more well-rounded approach to things and it kind of makes it so that, oh man, I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> well, it keeps it interesting, you know? It's like if, if you have a composer that only does one kind of music but does it very well yeah that's that's very well and good and you can listen to that composer a lot over a period of days but maybe you can't listen to him for like you know 
three hours at a stretch. Right. If you want to look at like Terokudo and Masanori Adachi's collection, you're going to get stuff from Axley. You're going to get stuff from Super Castlevania 4. You're going to get stuff from, uh, they worked on Russian Attack and mm. uh, Contra 3 on the SNES. You know, all these different kinds of soundtracks. So your ears are always going to be hearing uh, different kinds of music. I think it's going to keep you more interested in what they're doing rather than just the same kind of music over and over again. So that's personally why I like versatile composers a lot. Yeah, and I, I just remember what my point was, is that like you look at people that are versatile like that, and if, say, for myself, I want to compose for indie games and things like that, so I look to composers like that, how they change their sound and, and how they have so many different versatile things that they can pull from. And so if I can get just like even a quarter of their talent, you know, put it forth into what I'm making, then uh, maybe there's a chance that I'll get picked for composing the next big indie game or something, you know? I think you've got a good chance of that, sir. <laughs> uh, I hope so. I'm waiting, man. <laughs> hey, you've, you've got some games in the works, right? So, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Exactly. So, speaking of versatility and uh, a little callback to uh, actually a couple things from VG Embassy so far. So, we were just talking about that beeper music from the ZX Spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the composer of our next game actually... He and his brother, when they were working on ZX Spectrum games way, way back in the day, kind of invented the whole technique behind beeper music. Yeah, that whole and, phasing uh, technique, right? Exactly. And this isn't a beeper song from from him. It's it's an NES song. But he also happened to compose the last song that we played on our Echo show on episode one. And if you guys remember, that was a very kind of ambient, soundscape-ish kind of a track. Oh, right. He did the Dreamcast version of Echo, didn't he? Yep, the Dreamcast version of Echo, exactly. That's right. And so uh, this is the same composer, Tim Fallen and his brother Jeff Fallen, and you're you're not going to hear any ambient, wavy kind of sea music this time. So what do we got lined up next? This is another energetic track, and uh, we're getting into the section of my picks now where I discovered these after the fact, so this is not something that I grew up with, but I okay. think... If you're looking for something on the internet that you haven't heard before, one of your first jaw-dropping experiences is probably going to be this track, you know, along with maybe Solstice if you didn't. uh, But this one here is Silver Surfer on the NES, and it's Stage 1, composed by Tim and Jeff Follen. All right, get ready to have your socks knocked off, boys and girls. Let's hit it.
that was Gameplay Stage 1 from Silver Surfer, released on the NES in 1990, composed by the brothers Magnificent, Tim and Jeff Fallen. <laughs> ah, God, such a good track and such a good soundtrack. Not necessarily a very good game. The game is a mixed bag for people. Some There's a few masochists that love it or, or sadists yeah. or whatever you want to call that. It's one of those games where you need to basically... There's one set path that you can take through the game to actually finish the levels, and it's all about memorization. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know, I know of some people that have beat it and can beat it pretty easily, but you know, not without lots and lots and lots of practice. Yeah, once you get it down, they get it. Yeah, but uh, I never have, so I just find the NSF file and gem out, so I'm I'm fine. Exactly. I rented this game when I was a kid, and, and that was one of my problems. Is I, I love the soundtrack. This was before I knew who Tim Fallon was. You know, it probably was around. 1990, 1991, when the game was still new, mm-hmm. but I was only able to listen to the title screen song, the first level song. Maybe I got to the second level. I don't even know. Yeah, it's like, boy, that's that solo is awesome. Dead. That solo is awesome. Yeah, dead. <laughs> exactly. I can't get past the first half of the song. Oh, but uh, I think if you pause it, you can listen to the music, which is cool. But I, I mean, I just love what Tim does with the NES. Uh, he originally started off, like we said, way back on the ZX Spectrum, mm-hmm. the beeper music, and then when the AY chip became popular or available for the ZX Spectrum, you know, he would compose. That was a that was like a three-channel square wave only uh, chip. And then he moved on to the SID chip on the C64. Uh, and then the Amiga, which was sample-based, it was a little more like the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And then he moved on to the NES from that, so he went back to a sound chip that was more similar to the C64. And then he made all of these awesome soundtracks and then did some awesome stuff for the SNES. So he, he bumped around to like nearly every single sound chip out there and just completely rocked the house <laughs> on every single one of them. He did, and even like on the Sega Genesis with his Time Track soundtrack, which came out within yep. the last few years. So it's just like, oh, well, he's good at that too. Why am I not surprised, you know? Yeah, no, it was it was, it was crazy. But, but as far as this one goes, it's just got a very fast-paced kind of a punk feel but then also has these like huge kind of wanky guitar solos the drummer's going like 50 miles a minute (laughs) everything's just like freaking out the game isn't really that fast paced it's difficult but you know you kind of surf along with your silver surfer at kind of a moderate pace and this song just feels like it's making you crazy because there's so much more going on in the music than there is on the screen yeah you would think they somehow squeezed like hyperzone into the nes with this music but you know sadly it's not it's not quite possible so you know tim (laughs) did what he could with the music there tim and jeff both yeah and uh very you know great great bass with the fallen's music on the nintendo uh, I've always said you can easily pick out the instruments that they're supposed to be. So, you know, you listen to, like, Mega Man or Shatterhand or something like that, and you listen to the music on those games. You know, they're great music. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't necessarily be able to pick out and say, hey, that channel is a guitar, and hey, that channel's a piano, and that channel's this particular kind of, like, fretless bass or something. But when the Fallens kind of get their hands on the NES chip... You can tell that's a guitar, that's a bass, this is a rock drum kit, yeah. or this is like a you know a brush drum kit. They were able to shape these... This is an organ, and yeah. Exactly, they were able to shape these sounds so well to sound like their real-life counterparts and behave like their real-life counterparts. They just had such a good talent for that. Which is crazy, because the, the NES is so limited compared to, you know, like even a C64 as far as sound texture, so... 
Yep, yep. It didn't have like the ring modulation no. or the pulse width modulation that the uh, Commodore 64 did. So simple ARPs and, uh, you know, a few tricks here and there, but uh, they were able to do a, a whole lot with not much power behind that chip. So Yeah, they made it work. Exactly. So moving on from the PSG features of the NES chip, we're going to finally get some FM to listen ah. to. What do we got coming up next? Next, we have Battle Garago for the arcade and came out in 1996. And this is stage four, and it's called Degeneracy by Manabu Namiki. guys we are back that was stage four degeneracy from the game battle gorega originally came out on the arcade in 1996 composed by manabu namiki and uh he's one of my favorite composers i think as far as japanese composers go Mm -hmm. Uh, all of his music sounds very unique it's very funky and jazzy he's one of the few japanese composers i know that actually uses like arpeggios like western style arpeggios in music yeah so he, he kind of colors outside the lines a lot. Is, is that one of the reasons you picked this track? Basically, I had a hard time picking like what my FM uh, shmup tracks would be because there's so many good ones, of course. So I was listening to Viewpoint, which I thought about, and then I was listening to R-Type Leo, which I thought about, and then I stumbled across this, which sounded like a fusion of them. Yep. <laughs> and I was like... That's the one. I've never even played this game before, and I just, like, I think, you know, researching music for this episode, I had only heard it, like, a couple of days ago, so this is all new to me. But I'm like, oh, man, I gotta I gotta share this one. This is great. Yeah, this is just a full-on dance track. I love the way he blends the FM and the sample channel and the PSG channel. Like, they all fit together so, so very, very well. Oh, it's wonderfully mixed, yeah wonderful sound balance we were talking about that kind of breakdown in the middle where you get these fm sweeps and you have those like twinkly psgs over the top of it he he creates such great soundscapes it's so good and it's one of those things where that really shows the strength of fm music where you know sample based stuff you don't get that quite as often because it would take a long sample to make a sweep like that whereas fm it would like take like no memory at all 
to make that type of sound. So yeah, there you have it. There's there's your uh, upside to FM. It's not all like uh, whining cats and scratching your eardrums. It's it can, it can be good, guys. <laughs> I swear it can be good. <laughs> no, there's a lot of good FM music out there. You know, when I was little, growing up with basically only Nintendo consoles. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, convinced that the SNES had a much better sound hardware than the Genesis did. I think you're not alone in that. I think that's I think that's pretty common. Yeah, and and the more I grew up and started listening to more Genesis music and then realizing that, you know, there were other Japanese computers like the PC88, the PC98, the Sharp X68000 mm-hmm. that had these very powerful FM chips and all these wonderful composers like Ryu Umemoto and Manabu Namiki and, you know, all these guys that were just kind of like savants with with FM music, my taste started to turn a little bit. And now I still love SNES music, and there are still some SNES uh, soundtracks that are very dear to me. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to, like, if I'm having a bad day and I'm going to reach into my VGM collection to try to pick some tracks that are going to, like, cheer me up and get me energized, it's it's usually going to be something that's kind of more along the lines of, of FM music. So I guess my... My tastes have turned a little bit with with more exposure to it. Yeah, yeah, I can I can relate to that. So it's one of those things where I was very fortunate to uh, grow up with uh, Streets of Rage. Of course, I think that like that yep. would be the first thing you ever hear to be like, wait a minute, you know. Besides like, <laughs> besides like Sonic the Hedgehog, right, or something like that, where you're like, right, right. The music is good. It's not all just like terrible ports, you know. <laughs> kind of really shows you what the what the chip can do outside of just your basic very video gamey sounding sonic music oh yeah yeah so let, let me ask you a question from a composer perspective at least from a personal perspective sure. so which chip mm-hmm. fm or whatever which is your favorite kind of chip to listen to and which is your favorite kind of chip to compose it mm. are they different or are they the same oh boy that's a good question um I think that my favorite chip to compose in right now would be the the YM2151 with all the extra uh, PCM samples there. Okay, so basically what we just listened to now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, it, for a long time it, it was Genesis, and it still kind of is, but I think I'm just like right now I'm just leaning more toward you know YM2151 because I'm really enjoying getting more power out of that and what I can do with it. Uh, yeah. As far as... Uh, stuff to listen to hmm I'm actually getting on quite a bit of a C64 kick and that's not something I grew up with but I'm really enjoying it lately it's great stuff there's a lot of good stuff on the SID ship for sure if you listen to my other podcast the Impulse Project we do a lot of demo scene music and we're kind of focused on like Amiga music and mod tracker stuff Mm -hmm. but I always try to throw at least one SID track in there every episode because I just I love it so much so <laughs> and i want people to know more about it yeah it's good and it's like one of those things where i, I really am starting to because i grew up with messing with synthesizers and things so like you know fm and sid chip and stuff like one of them you know sounds like a, you know the fm sounds very similar to like a dx7 or something like that and uh your sid chip makes me think of like a moog synthesizer mm-hmm. so i'm just like I'm I'm all about that. I'm like yes. <laughs> so it brings you right back home. Indeed, indeed. So personally, I think my favorite chip to listen to is the YM2608, which is in the uh, later versions of the PC98. Mm. It's just got this huge amount of of FM channels with some PSG and some samples built into it. Um, some amazing music. 
And as far as composing goes, I think my favorite thing to compose in is Mario Paint because I'm not a musician <laughs> and I don't compose. Hey, you got to start somewhere. That's the only thing I can get music out of. You got to start somewhere. That's where <laughs> I started. You you might you might just uh, blow everybody out of the water in a few years. Who knows? I'll uh, I'll help you out, dude. I com- I collaborate with everybody. Awesome. So we'll get some Mario Paint going with yeah. some YM2151 yes. and yes. we'll blend it together. It's not a bad idea actually. It might get that might sound pretty cool. It might sound pretty rad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was Battle Garega. Uh, anything else you want to say about it before we move on to the next track? Oh, no. I think we covered it. We we went over all the chips we like and why that song was so cool. So we'll just keep on going here. Sounds good to me. What do we got next? We, we've got next Galaxy Force 2 for the arcade. came out in 1988, and the track is Beyond the Galaxy by Koichi Namiki. Let's take a listen.
All right, that was Beyond the Galaxy from Galaxy Force 2, released on the arcade originally in 1988, composed by Koichi Namiki and Katsuhiro Hayashi. Uh, Koichi Namiki was responsible for this particular jazz, funk, fusion track. Really good stuff. What an incredible tune. I feel like it's music like this that makes me want to push myself as a chip musician. Because I feel like I've done a lot of different styles, but this one, it has such a like a live feeling to it. It feels like an actual band is playing these instruments. And uh, you know, I, I've I've got like maybe like little hints of stuff like that in my music, but a lot of it, a lot of my music does sound kind of quantized. And I'm really like, mm, I need to use more shuffles. I need to use, you know, more kind of offbeat things, different type signature changes. And I'm just like thinking to myself. Man, that's that's what I want to aspire to, something like that, you know? We were just talking about this kind of like while the song was playing, and, you know, like like I said, I think it would be a lot easier to compose music like this for people who were playing the music, you know, on real instruments, because as humans, we don't have the want to kind of like make everything into ones and zeros like computers do. Computers yeah. want to like shove everything into slots and make it as, as structured as possible. Indeed. And the structures in... in Jazz fusion, particularly this track, are so complex that it's it's got to be hard to compose in this style when you're kind of sequencing music instead of just saying, you know, here, read this, this sheet music <laughs> and kind of add your own kind of human element to it. So these guys really kind of added their own element, their own human element to sequence music, which is very, very difficult to do from what I understand. Yeah, from my own experience, like jamming with people and, and doing stuff in garage bands and goofing around, when you're jamming with somebody, if you have a certain connection with somebody, you can do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You just kind of get a feeling or something and you just kind of change up the mood of the song or the style or the time signature and it just kind of works somehow and it's almost kind of magical. It's sort of hard to explain. So to be able to like take that and really like... Uh, break it down into something programmable is a little bit uh i would say a little bit difficult to think at least for myself i can't speak for everybody of course but uh you know i've i've had a few tracks here and there that kind of do a bit of that but i don't do that often and i need to do it more so uh that's a good reminder for me to just kind of uh, keep people on their toes when I compose things here. Yeah, you know, this is this is some great inspiration for you to try to you know achieve the same level that this is going for. And and we were talking too about the very beginning of the theme song that you wrote for this show, mm-hmm. uh, the part where I kind of do my little voiceover, and uh, and uh, that that felt a lot like the beginning of this track to me. So cool. Just, just the fact that I was able to associate those two together means that you're. I think you're kind of getting there. So just work on it a little more and. Sweet. I'm on the right track. <laughs> get, get that final human element in there, and then we can do, uh, you know, VG Embassy theme song Mark II. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It'll just, it'll just like transform into a, a, a larger version of itself and start shooting lasers everywhere. Perfect. And then suddenly I'll have to be like in a full suit with a cigarette and sp- speaking in like a jazzy, bluesy voice. It'd just be like, <laughs> welcome to the VG Embassy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this track was great. I mean, it has a lot of different instruments in it a lot of different time changes it keeps you on your toes and uh for the kind of game it is it's kind of like a behind the ship you're flying into the screen kind of like a uh, hyper zone or, or that kind of a game or space harrier but way cooler <laughs> yeah yeah cooler than space harrier for sure um i think this track would 
have more of a calming effect on you than an actual like energizing effect. So, yeah, it makes you feel like uh, you're cruising, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have a big effect on on gameplay if uh, you know you were in an arcade with sound up loud enough to be able to hear this. Yeah. This game did come out on the 3DS, and so you get that really cool kind of 3D effect on the re-release of this game, and I think you can find it on Steam too, so you can play it on your computer. So this is this is actually a really good game. I've 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 played this one. It's been on a whole bunch of different systems. And uh, so if you like that kind of Space Harrier type game, Galaxy Force and Galaxy Force 2 are are definitely games to check out. And they have some fantastic soundtracks. Absolutely. All right. So let's get a little more simple for a change. We're going from some arcade FM music down to an NES title. So what are we listening to this time? This time we're listening to Crisis Force on the NES. And it came out in 1991. This is the music for Stage 1 and 6. And it's called Advanced City. And the composers are... Kinichi Matsubara, Yasuhiko Mano, and Jun Chuma. All right. That was Stage 1 and 6, Advanced City, from Crisis Force, which came out on the Famicom in 1991, composed by Kenichi Matsubara, Yasuhiko Mano, and Jun Chuma. A lot of those composers also worked on uh, TMNT 3, The Manhattan Project on the NES, so if you're noticing any similarities between the two soundtracks, that's probably why. I think a lot of the similarities are in those square wave channels with that very rounded sound and then a lot of those sampled toms and drums they sound very very similar to the ninja turtle 3 soundtrack that i grew up with as a kid and the very cool echo effect too that uh, konami likes to use there i noticed that there yep. was a lot of that there yeah this is a great great track and it, it's a it's a short one but it's a banger you know a, a lot of nintendo tracks are like that you know they pack a whole lot of energy into like between 30 seconds and a minute yeah that's true and they make them good enough that if you're playing a stage that takes, you know, four or five minutes to complete, you don't mind listening to it on loop for, you know, three or four or five times. You you pick out different things about it every single time because the compositions are so complex. So uh, they're a lot of fun to listen to, for sure. I really like the combination of the bass and the, like, the lead synth in this song. They, they just harmonize very well together. Yeah, and I love how the drums just really cut through the mix, too. I love those samples. Yep. And, uh, you know, as you were saying that, like, you know, the, the levels in these older games, they 
they may have short songs, but you know, as you were saying, they loop four or five times and you don't care because it's so good. And that's that's another thing I try to take away from these composers as I'm making stuff myself. I want to make sure that my loops are so good that like even after they you know loop twice and fade and like you want to click the play button again i'm hoping that that's like what people are like i gotta hear that again it wasn't enough you know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's the mark of a good track when you don't mind listening to it on on repeat even though you died like 30 times on the first level you're like this track <laughs> is still awesome I had that experience with Hotline Miami. Oh, no. I love the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack to that game, and uh, it's one of those games where you just die over and over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the music just really kept me going. If, if it wasn't for that soundtrack, I don't think I would have had the gumption to, to finally, like, get good enough to beat it. So that's that's a great example. You would have been like, I'm, I'm just going to go outside and, and enjoy some sun. I'm getting pale. I got to... Yeah, I'm just going to go break into other houses with a baseball bat for <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh violent video games don't influence us at all i think i'm just gonna Not go break into this <laughs> done oh man so yeah speaking of violent video games crisis force is one of the last games to be released on the famicom i believe it's pretty advanced for its time it's it's very fast moving um, I think it's two players. It's got a lot of really cool action going on with some, you know, obviously great, great music. So It's an awesome game, and it's really, really advanced. It looks almost 16-bit at times. Yeah, it did a lot of very cool techniques with the with the graphics to make them look, like, shaded and kind of like 3D. Yeah, so yeah. it's definitely worth checking out. Very expensive to buy, but, you know, if you can find a copy of it somehow on the web or a reproduction, it's, it's definitely worth picking up and, and giving it a spin. Absolutely. Let's move on to our next track. What do you got lined up for us this time? Let's see. Next, we are going into Iridian 2 for the Game Boy Advance. And this track came out in 2003, so this is a bit newer. And the track title is Aniki, and it's by Manfred Lenzner. All right, let's hit it. All right.
All right, you just listened to Aniki from the game Iridion 2, which came out on the Game Boy Advance in 2003. And that was composed by Manfred Linsner. And uh, as soon as the track started playing, Dread talked to me and he's like, Turrican. And I'm like, oh my God, this does sound like Turrican. I didn't even realize it. It's totally Turrican, but I love it. Yeah, and then I made the connection that Manfred Linsner and Chris Holzbeck, the Turrican composer, are both German composers. So I'm sure there's some influence there between them somehow or shared influence if not influencing each other so that probably explains why the the sounds are so similar yeah it's so similar and then you know i was thinking like it could have been like a uh an amiga demo scene track too oh yeah it, for it sure has definitely a lot of that in there so you know when i'm i'm looking back at uh demo scene people it's like you know this, these these people are kind of the forerunners to what i'm trying to do here so you know it's cool how you get that overlap from time to time for sure, and I'm I'm amazed at how clear and clean this song sounds for being on the Game Boy Advance because the Game Boy Advance is, oh, is famous for like taking amazing compositions from composers and then just like feeding it through like an FM radio and kind of spitting it out the <laughs> other side and yeah, it's usually very fuzzy and kind of crackly and you're like oh but oh yeah. well, it's still pretty yeah. good, but oh. <laughs> but the guys at, at Shinen, uh, who did the Iridion games, seem to like have this kind of workaround for the Game Boy Advance engine that just made the song sound so good. Super crisp. One of the titles in this series, I forget which one it was, it might have even been Iridion 2, but there's a uh, like a mini game that you can play before you even start the game at the menu screen, and uh, it, it basically plays a song from Manfred Linsner but you can choose, you can mix and match different strings of notes. Yeah, the, the lead and the bass and the... and the Exactly. Yeah. Make the song sound totally different. That's super cool. And we actually, on Pixel Tunes, did a little demonstration of that where uh, we, we, we played a whole bunch of different you know versions of the song and kind of switched them out and stuff. So that's, it's really cool what they were able to do with the Game Boy Advance uh, sound chip that not a lot of composers really do. The music isn't really too concentrated on i think in a lot of game boy advance games there's a lot of good soundtracks out there but uh i think the majority of the music is just kind of an afterthought mm, yeah and this one you can definitely tell the music is like the main well the music and the graphics too because in iridian 2 the graphics they look like a low res ds game with their their pre-rendered sprites and things it's it feels very uh, tech demo but it's very like playable awesome tech demo like you're they were putting out all the stops basically yeah these were the guys that really pushed the game boy advance hardware to its absolute limits indeed yeah and they they still hold up very well especially the music you know so this kind of music i think is just kind of timeless it's just very electronic it's it's got a very positive feel to it i think i don't sense any sort of foreboding or negativity in this track whatsoever no it's just kind of a lot of uh fun to listen to and it's something that you could easily just put on in your car and even if your family's in the car they wouldn't necessarily say hey is this video game music because it just sounds like it's it's pleasant stuff no i don't think so it sounds like some crazy awesome 80s montage where everything is fine yes, you know exactly it's it's rocky but he's boxing for fun instead of you know his own livelihood yeah and he probably has like cybernetic implants and like a <laughs> like a bionic eye and he's shooting lasers i i don't know i like everything to shoot lasers so that's the best rocky ever the best rocky yeah the one that should have been made Rocky 2050 AD. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. 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 All right, so we're coming on to the home stretch for the show. Uh, next one coming up is a very interesting track that I think people are going to really enjoy. So what do we got coming up now? 
So next we've got Project S11 for the Game Boy Color came out in 2001 so this is the very end of that uh, Game Boy line and the track is Eakin's Desert and it's composed by Jan Valtonen and Alexi Eben. Alright, sounds good. Let's rock out. Alright. you caught me with my glow sticks out sorry <laughs> that was Ikan's Desert from Project S11 that came out on the Game Boy Color in 2001 composed by Jan Valtonen and Alexi Eben uh, we were just talking probably one of the most unique soundtracks on the Game Boy Color out there it sounds a lot like 
like maybe more like modern day demo scene stuff, but I'm sure in 2001 when this game came out, it was like completely mind blowing. Yeah, I thought I would uh, kind of extend an olive branch, let's say, to more modern uh, Game Boy composers and uh, you know people using LSDJ. I think there's a lot of uh, techniques in this track, particularly that feel very similar to what people are doing now. So if anybody says. Uh, there's nothing out there that is even close to what people are doing in LSDJ. Well, think again. You know, take a listen yeah. to something like this, and it's like, well, maybe it's, it's you know, we're more common than we think, you know? Very, very true. I love the beginning part where that there's just that, that low droning noise, and then the percussion kind of, like, just comes and, like, almost rises from the ground. It just picks up, and then you've got these huge, just kind of swarmy, arpeggios all over the place it just feels like there's like a desert like swirling around your head yeah which is good because it's called icon's desert kind, so. kind of a kind of a sandstorm of arps rather yeah exactly <laughs> and uh you know so it, it, it's no surprise that the game boy and the game boy color are kind of like the darlings of the demo scene at this point yeah you know as far as like the the more uh accessible sound chips go there's a lot you can do with the game boy sound hardware and people are coming up with new and innovative ways to use it every day it seems it's amazing what people are doing these days it's kind of blowing my mind <laughs> <laughs> have you used the game boy much for composing um i've done a little bit with uh devil Mask actually has game boy sound chip but it's not the most advanced tracker out there it's nothing like lsdj it doesn't have any like wave channel sample playback but you know, I've I've done a little bit of things. It probably sounds more VGM than than um, demo scene. So I'm not like the best at at Game Boy music, but I've done a few tracks here and there. Cool. Yeah, I think everybody's gonna have their own strengths, anyways. So, and I I know you're you're probably much better at FM than a lot of the guys that are using LSDJ are at FM. So <laughs> we can all kind of trade secrets here, and everybody becomes exactly. better. That's that's one of the coolest things about the chip scene is everybody's very open and friendly. So that's why I love it, and I haven't stopped making chip music for quite a few years now. So good, keep it up, because I love everything you put out. So. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> so speaking of which, let's move on to our final track of the show. This is a track from Dread himself so trevin what did you uh choose to play for us at the end of the show so since we have a shmup themed episode here i decided to play a track called astro blaster and i did this just last year and it came out on a compilation uh sega genesis music cart called ym 2017 yeah this one was very fun to do and uh i got a little bit cheeky and in the very beginning the little voice that says get ready it is me that is my <laughs> voice so a little bit of trivia for you <laughs> awesome all right and this was so this was composed entirely using the ym 2612 chip that is in the sega genesis right it'll play on an actual sega genesis if you throw it on a cart correct absolutely yep all right so let's take a listen to astro blaster from our guest dread get ready
And you just heard Astro Blaster from our VG Ambassador of the Day, Dread, a.k.a. Trevin Hughes, and that was featured on the YM 2017 Genesis Cartridge Music Album. And great track. Definitely reminds me of Shmups. I can definitely see your influence there. The first thing I thought of when I heard the song was, uh, are you familiar with the game Veritex? It's a Hitoshi Sakimoto soundtrack. I am. In fact, uh, I, I found that a couple of years ago when I heard a song from there, and I was like, ooh, that's, that's pretty. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. And definitely, yeah. like, those little horn sections kind of reminded me of that. Not necessarily the tone of the instrument, but the, the melody construction. And it has, like, that very kind of rock, but positive and, and driving kind of feel to it so i was also thinking of maybe a glay lancer yes for sure that was another influence i had mm-hmm. so that that's another thing i pulled from i think now that i'm listening to it i'm like oh yeah absolutely huh. so tell me a little bit about this ym 2017 card so i i actually own a copy of it which is awesome because they were a limited edition it's got this like translucent shell on it and it's got uh, EQ, like a, what do you call them? It's like a spectrum analyzer almost on, right, on the front right. of it. So when you play music on the cart in the Genesis, it actually like shows you the music that you're playing on the front of the cart, which is amazing. So how did you get approached about this album and, and, and what, what was your process in making the music for it? Basically, I think it was just kind of one of those word of mouth things because like we're all friends in the FM chip community here. So... It's like one person got got word that this thing was going on, and the guy, uh, David DeGraw, which is the person who made uh, the cart here, was uh, kind of uh, trying to contact different people, and in fact, I was the one that was like uh, contacting some other people, and I think Aaron was contacting some people, and uh, we basically got together, I believe there's nine people on there. It was cool because it was like, I didn't even know that that was like a thing that somebody would want or somebody was going to do. Like I, I've heard of demo scenes and I've heard of, uh, you know, albums, but an album on cartridge is a little different. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. I better tell everybody like right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have uh, I have an NES, actually two Famicom cartridges uh, that are basically like music albums on on cart they're called 8-bit music power basically they were created in japan so a whole bunch of japanese current day chip tuners some kind of um just you know regular music composers and classic vgm composers and so they all got together and did two famicom cartridges full of of 8-bit nes music so oh, man. this is kind of like the american analog to those nes carts so uh, but it's really cool. I mean, so uh, you're on there. Who else? Who else is on there with you? Let's see. We've got uh, we've got our friend Dia is on there. Yes, I'll need we've to have got... him on this show eventually too, because uh, Aaron's an awesome guy and a great composer. Absolutely, yeah. And we've got let's see, we've got Toby Comey. We've got my buddy uh, Cosmo BG. Uh, Groove Master was going to be on there, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But but uh, he does have a tune that was floating around that was going to be on there. I think there was like some sort of glitch with like how the VGM was rendered or something. But yeah, sometimes it's tough when you compose something in Defla Mask or VGM Music Maker. It doesn't always translate 100% to a cartridge. Yeah. So uh, yeah, sometimes that just kind of bites you in the butt. Yeah, unfortunately. 
there's, uh, I believe, The Dead is on there, another friend of yes, ours. Yes, he's amazing. I gotta get him on the show, too. Oh, man, I'd love to hear an interview with him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just so many, so many awesome people, and if I've left anybody out, it's not that I like you any less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a lot. So I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna record a little video of Astro Blaster playing uh, on my Genesis cart just to show the front, you know, to show the levels and how it matches up to the levels on the screen. And I'll, and I'll post that in the track notes of this show so people can check out the cartridge and your song being played through some, some real hardware. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, another video of that going around is never a bad thing, so <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that about does it for our music today uh, anything else you want to talk about before we head out oh yeah well uh before we get out of here uh my brother was just here and i was reminded of a funny story that happens to uh, do with star soldier vanishing earth basically when i was growing up with that game <laughs> you know how the first level you go in there it says mission one rumbling and there's kind of a voice that goes along right before you uh, you hit the level there well the fifth level of that that game always kind of struck me as hilarious because the name of the uh, level it says mission five and it pauses and it goes terrible (laughs) (laughs) and the the thing about it is the voice is just so like disaffected there's like no energy it's monotone yeah (laughs) it's like this monotone robotic like it sounds so dismal you know (laughs) and so uh when we got to that level it was like my brother was like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh so we tried it out and it was like oh no bullets are everywhere this is terrible (laughs) and uh ever since that level it was kind of like it kind of became like this almost like a a meme in our house whenever something bad would happen or like somebody would do something dumb one of us would be like level five terrible and the other one would just kind of hang his head in shame <laughs> oh man a star soldier meme that's great yeah yeah especially one like isolated to your house <laughs> right right a huge meme yeah oh man all right so that out of the way uh so let's let's talk about what you have been up to i know you've maybe got a, a game or something in the works and you've got some other demo scene tracks like where can we find you on the web so uh, the best place to find me is definitely SoundCloud and uh, with Dread, so that's easy enough to remember. That's that's Dread with a J, right? So J R E D D. Yes, J R E D D. And then another good place might be I've got a Facebook page which I really need to update more often. <laughs> and um, oh, uh, probably the best uh, place to look for me is uh, on Cheap Beats. Bandcamp, where you just like search for Dread there, and there's a couple of my albums there. We just put out a new album with uh, my friends and I, F Impossible 2, and that's kind of another yes. compilation album. So if you want to support, a fantastic collection of music. I've I've got it myself, and I I've listened to it so many times. It's so good. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, I think that if you want to support like many of us at the same time, that would be a great album for you to buy, or just spread the word if you can't, you know. For sure, and I'll I'll have links to. Uh, Dread SoundCloud and also uh, the Bandcamp site in the show notes. So if you guys are listening, you want to go check out more of Dread's stuff, which you should because, I mean, if you've heard Astro Blaster and the theme song to this show, you'll probably enjoy it. Uh, go go check out those links in the show notes. 
and uh, and you can check out more of his stuff and maybe throw him a couple dollars or two. You know. Yeah, I won't try to stop nice. you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being our second, actually third VG ambassador, because I had a special guest on my first show. Uh, so you are the third VG ambassador awesome. on the VG Embassy. Thank you so much for joining me, dude. I had a blast, and I'd love to have you back for more shows in the future. Oh, man, yeah, anytime I will be ready. <laughs> awesome. We'll come up with some more cool themes to, to fool around with next time yeah. you're on. So uh, you can find future episodes and current episodes of the VG Embassy on iTunes. If you subscribe to iTunes and you subscribe to VG Embassy, please do me a favor and leave a rating. That helps give more visibility to the show, kind of boosts our little podcast feed up so more people can find the show and check it out. You can also find the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash the VG Embassy. I am on Twitter at the VG Embassy or at Ruiner9 if you just want to find my personal Twitter. And then you can also leave some feedback on those social media pages. We are brand new. We want to make sure the show is enjoyable and listenable. So if you have any constructive criticism or anything you think I'm doing super well and you want to let me know, please leave feedback on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, I don't have like a blog, like a real website set up yet because I'm recording these shows well ahead of time before our official launch date. So uh, hopefully in a future episode and maybe in the show notes for this particular show, I will have an actual website that you can go to and you can also leave notes for me there if you don't have any sort of social media account um but i will be announcing that in in future episodes once i have that set up so we're doing kind of a time travel thing here anyways you can look forward to more episodes soon with more guests and more incredible music and uh, i will also have a patreon set up so you can support the artists that are helping me out with this show so the graphic artists uh and trevin who's making the music for the show i'd like to you know throw them a couple bones myself so please check out our patreon page i will also have the url for that in the show notes once it gets set up hopefully within the first few shows i'll have that going on so bear with me on that And uh, that's about it. So we've got a couple cool shows coming up in the future. I know I'm going to be talking to Alex Messenger, who is a moderator of the VGM podcast fans group on Facebook and a huge contributor to the VGM podcast scene. We're going to be talking about his passion, which is hockey games and the music of hockey games. Uh, That's coming up in a future episode. I'm going to be talking to Cam Worma, who we've had on Pixel Tunes Radio in the past. He was also the moderator of the Retro World Expo 2017 uh, panel that we did with the guys from VGM Jukebox and Rhythm and Pixels. He's going to be on the show. We're going to be talking about prog rock in music, which, Dredd, you might be kind of interested in that, I'm sure. Oh, man, my eyes lit up as soon as you said it. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I was yeah, thinking so. of, uh, you know, the hockey tunes, too, and I'm like, mm, Blades of Steel! Yep, there's some good stuff out there that we found that's it's, that's going to be a good show. So that's going to be within the next couple episodes, and, and Cam will be on within the next couple episodes. So look forward to both of those, and then a whole bunch of other stuff that I can't officially announce yet because they're not cemented. But uh, I think uh, we're going to start off with a bang on the VG Embassy and have a lot of really good shows one after the other. So stay tuned. Uh, Dread. again, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope to have you back in the future. 
And, uh, yeah, anything else you want to say to your fans and listeners before we go? Sure. Just uh, thanks to everybody for all the support. I don't think I would have been able to make albums and and demo scene stuff and and albums on cartridges and all these crazy things without people actually being interested. So, yeah, thanks to everybody for checking my stuff out. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think your your talent and musical tastes definitely contribute to uh, everybody who listens because the first time I ever heard your music I was totally hooked and it, it also helps that you're a super nice and approachable guy and easy to talk to so you're the whole package man thank you thank you so much for hanging out with me today thank you so much alright guys so we will see you next time on the VG Embassy this is Ed your Prime VG Minister signing out <laughs>